Well, today we're going to start a new series called When God. And we're going to explore questions like, what do you do when God doesn't seem to be paying attention to your situation? What do you do when you feel like God just might be ignoring you? What do you do when you feel like like God isn't cooperating with what you need done or God isn't showing up when you need him to, to show up in your situation? One of the things that we all have in common is that we have all asked God for something that God has not given us. Maybe you've asked God to heal someone that you love and that hasn't happened. Maybe you've asked God to to fix a financial problem and that hasn't been fixed. Maybe you've asked God to fix a relationship issue and that relationship is still broken. We all know what it's like to ask God for something and to have him not answer the way that we want him to answer or feel like he hasn't answered at all. And what is pretty typical is when that happens, when we feel like God's ignoring us or not, not working with something that, that we want done, it's pretty easy for us to be tempted to believe that God is somehow punishing us for something that we've done wrong, or we feel like maybe we're just not worthy of God's love for some reason. Like maybe we just aren't good enough to get God's love, to get God's attention. So just out of curiosity, how many of you would say that you've ever felt like God was ignoring you or God wasn't working on your time frame or God was showing up way too late in your life? All right, so as you look around, you see that most of us have have felt that way. Now, those moments or those seasons of life, they are not fun. And there's a few things that make those moments even more difficult. And here's one, cheesy Christian answers. Anybody ever gotten a cheesy Christian answer for a difficult situation? I'm so sorry that you received that. But it's, it's frustrating when you're in the midst of a very heavy moment of life and you're begging God to do something and then a, a Christian comes along and says some flippant thing like, um, hey, cheer up, this will be good for you. God's gonna use it in powerful ways in your life. So just like, you know, cheer up. Now, that may be accurate, that may be correct theology, but poorly placed advice, even poorly placed biblical advice, can add to people's pain. So we have to be careful about the advice that we give when someone's going through a difficult moment. Don't rush in to give the cheesy Christian answer too quickly. Like, let's be careful with cheesy Christian answers, period, but we've got to acknowledge that what people are going through is heavy stuff. It's a, it's a big issue in their world, and let's not give some flippant answer to them. So we got to be careful about that. Another thing that makes those difficult moments even more difficult is when you run across another Christian who seems to get all their, their prayers answered. I don't know if you've met anybody like that, but I've met a few. You know, I'm struggling with some big issue, asking God for some monumental thing in my life. And then I meet someone who says, you know what? The other day I was driving into Walmart. My back hurt a little bit. And I I just prayed, God, would you open up a parking spot right up front so I don't have to walk so far? And wouldn't you know it, like, I, as soon as I finished praying, the perfect spot, this guy put his, you know, reverse lights on, backed out, and I just pulled right in. It was awesome. God's awesome uh, answer to my prayer. I opened the car door, found 20 bucks on the ground. It was awesome. I, I, like, I didn't have the money I needed, and then I got it. So God is so great. Now, this is not going to sound good coming from a pastor, but 
there are moments that in my mind, I'm actually pushing those people over. Like they say that and I'm like, oh, that's just not fair. I just want to push you down. Like, like here I am begging God for some big thing in my life and they get a parking spot. Like, what's that all about? I mean, like, if your back hurt, why don't you ask God to heal that? I mean, he probably would have thrown that in as a bonus. And while you're at it, pray for me, because apparently he's ignoring me in my situation right now. So there are things that make it more difficult when we walk through those, those moments when we're saying, God, where are you? So what do we do when it feels like God is ignoring us? when he's not working with us in, in the time frame that we want him to work with us or in how we want him to show up. Well, today and in the next two weeks, we are going to explore what to do when it feels like God's ignoring us, when God is not cooperating, and when God is showing up way too late. And we're gonna explore this by looking at the lives of a few people in the Bible. And the interesting thing about the people that we're gonna look at is they all had a very close relationship with God. In fact, today and uh, next week, the two stories that we're going to look at there, these folks had such a strong relationship with God. God used them to significantly change the world. Our world is different because of the two people we're going to look at, one today and then one next week. And in spite of all that, these people know what it's like for God to be inattentive, uncooperative, and late. So our first story that we're going to look at today is about a guy named John the Baptist, And if you're not familiar with John the Baptist, he was actually the cousin of Jesus. And God used him to announce to the world that Jesus, God in the flesh, the Messiah, had come. So imagine if God had chosen you for that role, that your role was just to announce to the world that the Messiah was here. So pretty prominent position that God wanted to use John the Baptist for, and he was a close relative of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 6 says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. Now, this is referring to Jesus, not to John, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So John would go around telling everybody, listen, the Messiah has come. Jesus is here, and you need to believe in him. You need to turn from your sins, and you need to turn to God. So whenever someone would come to John, they would hear his teachings, they would come to John and say, listen, I want to repent of my sins. I want to turn from my sin and I want to turn to God. He would take them down to the Jordan River and he would baptize them there. So he was, he was kind of an odd guy, kind of an in-your-face, kind of an outspoken kind of a guy, uh, kind of, uh, also kind of a recluse at times. Um, and so he was kind of known as the guy who lived down by the river, maybe in a van, we're not sure. But he lived down by the river and he baptized people. All right, so now the word baptize in the Bible literally means to fully immerse underwater. So that's why we do full immersion baptisms here at Epic. And we actually have a baptism coming up on Easter. So it's usually our first baptism of the year. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've not followed that up by being baptized. It's something that Jesus wants all of us to do. It's very symbolic of us dying to our old lives 
and being raised to new life in Christ. So if you've not done that, I encourage you to sign up for that. You can sign up on our website at theepicchurch.com. And on Easter Sunday, I can't think of a better opportunity, a better time to be baptized than on Easter Sunday. So we'd love to, to celebrate that with you. Well, John was that guy who was baptizing people. He was very bold, passionate about faith in God and about who Jesus was. I mean, think about like his primary purpose in life was to tell people Jesus, the Messiah was here. So he made it very clear that everyone needed to believe in him. In John chapter one, verse 29, it says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, when John's audience heard that, they would have known exactly what that meant because they were used to taking sacrifices, which were lambs. They would bring a lamb to a priest for sacrificing for their sins for the previous year. So that priest would sacrifice this lamb and those people would get forgiveness for a year. And that was a regular pattern, a regular practice for them. So when John said, look, Jesus is the lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world, everyone would have known what that meant. They would think instantly of the lamb that they chose to use for their family. And and then all of a sudden John goes, well, we're not talking about a lamb anymore, an animal. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the lamb of God. And he's going to take away your sin once and for all. So again, No one was confused about what John thought about Jesus. John chapter three, John said this. He said, he, talking about Jesus, has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment." So again, there was no question what John thought about Jesus. Now, one of the cool things about John was he was not afraid to tell anybody what he thought. Like if he thought it, he was speaking it. And again, he was kind of this extrovert, uh, outspoken kind of a guy. When skeptical religious leaders would come down to the, the river to watch him baptize, to listen to him teach, John would say stuff like this to him. You bunch of snakes, prove by the way that that you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe because we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. God is ready to cut you out of his blessing if you don't repent and live righteously. So John was pretty bold when he spoke with religious leaders. And again, he's kind of in your face kind of a guy. And you can imagine that he made a few enemies, There were a few people that did not like John. The religious leaders were one. They did not like John because he kind of said that they had kind of a false religion, kind of a superficial religion. They didn't have real faith. 
And another couple that he offended and, and made enemies with were the ruling king and queen of the area. So not good people to, to tick off, but he didn't care about that. See, John publicly criticized King Herod and Queen Herodias for their marriage. All right, now follow me just for a second. I'll try to explain this drama. So we have King Herod, who's married to Queen Herodias. But before that, Queen Herodias was married to King Philip, all right? King Philip and, well, it wasn't King Philip, sorry. Philip and Herod were brothers, all right? So we got a brother thing going on. And Herodias went from Philip to Herod, all right? So I don't know how this happened. I'm not sure if they were like at a, you know, pre-Christmas dinner before it was Christmas, obviously, and they were hanging out and, you know, they like, they're playing footsies under the table or something. They hit it off and, you know, we're talking in the kitchen and kind of giggling and goofing because, you know, they discovered that they're both names start with the letter H and so it'd be easier to get monogram towels for the bathroom. I'm not, not sure what happened, but Herodias left Philip for Herod. And so she went and married, moved in with Herod. And so John was saying, hey, that's just not right. And I just have to say, if you like a soap opera drama, you should read your Bible. There's lots of drama in there. There's like more drama in there than you could read in a lifetime. So there's good stuff. You should be reading your Bibles. So Herod and Herodias did not like what he had to say. Mark chapter six, verse 18. John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless for Herod respected John. Knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. So Herod respects John. He doesn't want to have him killed, but as a favor to his wife, he has John arrested and put in prison. So maybe they think if we just control where he's at, maybe we can control who's listening to this information he's sharing about us. Now, while John was in prison, he was allowed to have visitors, and so his disciples... His followers would come and tell him what was going on in the area, and they would tell him what was, more importantly, happening around Jesus, what Jesus was doing. One day, when John's disciples were visiting, John asked them to ask Jesus a very interesting question in relation to how he'd lived his whole life and his relationship with Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. It says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus this. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Now, imagine if you were John's disciples, you know, imagine John saying, hey, listen, I need you to go ask Jesus this question. Like, I, I, I've got to know this answer. And, and they, they get out their, their pad and their pen. They're like, okay, ready. What is it? Is Jesus the one? What? John, like, are you for real? Like, do you really want us to go ask Jesus if he's the one? You've been telling us all of your life he's the one. You pointed at him and said, he's the lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. Are you sure? Are you feeling okay? Are you sure you want us to go ask him, is he the one? See, John's sitting in prison and he's starting to doubt. 
He's starting to question his faith. His faith is starting to waver in this moment. And I have to tell you, that's encouraging to me at some level. And it should be encouraging to all of us Not that John was sitting in prison, but that even people like John, even people with bold faith, even people that have a close relationship with God can have moments of struggle. They can have moments of of doubt. So if you've ever doubted, if you've ever struggled, you would have gotten along well with John in this specific moment. So we aren't alone. So John's disciples, they take this question to Jesus, And Jesus hears it, and he gives an answer. Now, let me tell you what Jesus did not say before I tell you what Jesus did say. Jesus did not say, John asked what? Like, are you serious? Like, go back and take away his membership card. Like, he's not allowed to be in the club if he's going to have questions like that. He's supposed to be the spokesperson, and, and he's coming up with questions like that. Jesus did not reprimand John for having questions of faith, for having doubts in that moment. And here's what Jesus also did not say. He did not say to John's disciples, go back and tell him, I am the one, and tonight I'm breaking him out. Like I'm bringing spray paint, and we're gonna spray paint on the wall. Jesus and John were here, hashtag, ha ha. Like, so Jesus didn't say anything about getting John out of prison. We have no indication that Jesus even went to visit John while he was in prison. So John sat in prison with his powerful cousin, was out on the countryside not doing anything to get him out. Imagine how John felt in that moment. Imagine how you would feel in that moment if that was you sitting in prison and your powerful cousin was out free, not really doing anything to get you out of that situation. Well, listen to what Jesus did say to John's question. In Matthew 11, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, And the good news is being preached to the poor. And oh yeah, one more thing. Make sure you tell John this. God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Now imagine if you were John's disciples listening to that and you have to go back and you have to tell John what Jesus just said. Imagine what might be going through your mind in that moment. So like, wait a minute, Jesus. Are you saying You might cause things or allow things to happen that might make me stumble away from you? Yep, that's what I'm saying. And God will bless you if you don't fall away, if you don't lose your faith in moments where I have done something or I have not done what you've wanted me to do or I have allowed something to happen. God will bless you if you don't fall away in those moments. So wait a minute, like Jesus, like let me get this straight. We've got John, your cousin, your cousin, the guy who's announced to the world that you are the Messiah. He's sitting in prison and his faith is wavering. Like like he's having a really bad moment here. Things aren't going well for him. And you're just gonna leave him there and you're gonna say, hang in there. Hang in there, John. 
Like, did he do something like when you guys were kids and you told him one day, I'm going to get you back. Just wait, I'm getting you back for that one. Are you punishing him for something that he did wrong? Like, what's the deal? What Jesus said about John in Matthew eleven eleven, he said, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived. No one is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said, I'm not mad at John. I'm not punishing him. I'm not getting even with him. I'm not upset with him for having a moment of doubt or, or having a moment where his faith was wavering. And here's the truth that I think that God wants us to tie ourselves to like an anchor when we're in the midst of a, of a difficult moment. It's this. The difficult situations that we go through in life do not reflect how God feels about us. So that difficult situation that you go through in life is not a reflection of how God feels about you. And yet, that's what we think. So often, that's the assumption that we make. We, we think when things aren't going so well, either we're not worthy of God's love or we've done something wrong or we look around at other people and we're like, well, why is God answering their prayers and not answering my prayers? Why is God doing so, that cool thing in their life and not doing a cool thing in my life? What's wrong with me? What have I done to deserve this? Romans chapter eight Verse 35 says, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does it mean that God doesn't love us if we are battling a health issue that won't go away or we're struggling in a relationship? We can't get the grades that we need in school or we're grieving over the loss of a loved one. Does it mean that God doesn't love us? Verse 37 says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And again, here, here's, here's another profound truth we have to anchor ourselves to. The proof of God's love for you happened on the cross, has nothing to do with the situation you're going through. God demonstrated his love for all of us when Jesus came to earth and died so we can live. And that's, that's an act that can never to take away the, the demonstration of God's love for us. So again, that difficult situation you go through does not reflect how God feels about you. So what do we do? When we're in those moments where it just seems like God is being inattentive, he's ignoring us in that moment. Let's listen again to what Jesus had to say to John. He, he told John's disciples, go tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to, to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. So go tell John all the amazing things I'm doing out here. Go tell John, I may not be doing amazing things in there right now in his life, but that doesn't mean that amazing things are not happening around John. So when we're going through a difficult moment, when we feel like God might be ignoring us, we need to look around at what God is doing 
and watch and see and be in awe of God at work, maybe in someone else's life. Maybe he's not working powerfully in our lives right in that moment, but God is still at work. He still has a plan and he's working that plan to fit what God wants to do overall in the world and in our lives. So even when we're in those prison type moments, we have to remember God is always at work. He's always at work around us. Now, here's where I want Jesus to show up and break John out of prison, and I want him to break us out of the prisons that we live in. See, I want uh, Jesus to tell John's disciples, they go back and tell John the answer. I want Jesus to let John sit there for a few days And then once he's processed through this and and maybe he learns that, you know, that underlying principle that God wants him to learn, that's when I want Jesus to show up and go, John, like, did you get it? Like, that was one of my teachable moments. So once you understand the principle that I'm teaching, like the lesson is over and now I'm here to break you out of prison. That's what I want God to do in my life. When I have learned the underlying principle, or I think I've learned the underlying principle, I want God to show up and go, lesson's over. Okay, I'm gonna end this pain. I'm gonna end this suffering. But that's not what happened in John's story. See, shortly after this interaction with Jesus, John was beheaded. Queen Herodias actually tricked Herod into killing John for her. And here's where I go, wait a minute. Like, hold on, God, wait a minute. So are you saying I just might die in this pain? Are you saying that I might never get out of this difficult situation? I don't know what God's doing in your story. I don't know what God's doing in my story, but that's what happened in John's story. That's what happened for him. But that didn't move God one centimeter off of his throne that, that didn't change what God was doing around John. That didn't change what God was doing in John, even up to his death. And God rewarded John for not falling away because of something that Jesus allowed, something he did, or something that he didn't do. And if you think about it, if there's anybody that can identify with us in those moments when we feel like God's ignoring us, it's John. And I I thought as I was thinking through this service, I thought like, what would John say to us? You know, if we could invite John to be here and and just give us some words of advice when we're in those moments, like maybe you're in that moment and you feel like God just isn't listening. He's just ignoring you. You feel like he's being inattentive to your situation. What would John say to us as an encouragement? I think John would say several things. The first thing is, I think he'd say, what you're going through is difficult. I get it. It's hard. And I know you may feel like you're alone, but you need to know you're never alone. And I think John would, would pull us back to the Bible that he read. The Old Testament part of the Bible is the part of the Bible that John would have read. I think he would have pulled us back to Joshua 1, 9, and a promise that God gave to Joshua when he said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, even in prison, even there, even with failing health, even with failing health. Even when I'm at school, even when you're at school, even when I feel alone, even when you feel alone, because you're never alone. 
God is always with you wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you are. God is there. I think John would also tell us that God is at work in your life. You need to remember what God has done and what God is doing around you. It may feel like God isn't working powerfully in your situation right now, but that does not change what God is doing or how God feels about you. God is always at work in you and around you. He never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a painful moment. All of those things fit into God's overall plan for you and for what God is doing around you. And and we may not know while we're here on earth. We may not get it. We may not see what he's doing, but God is always at work. And it's a good thing that God is doing. Another thing I think John would say is hang in there. I think you would say, don't quit. Don't fall away. Don't turn away because of something that that God hasn't done that you wanted him to do. God's rewards are real and they are eternal. And God wants you to hold on and stay focused in your relationship with him even in this moment of great struggle in your life. And sometimes we get to experience God's rewards uh, here on earth Sometimes we have to wait to experience those rewards in eternity. But either way, we get to experience what God has promised for us if we don't fall away. So when God seems silent, we need to remind ourselves that that doesn't mean God isn't working. He's always working and and he always has a good plan that he's unfolding and he's encouraging us to hold on God will either bring us out of our difficult situation or he will empower us to walk through our difficult situation. Remember, your difficult situation is not a reflection of how God feels about you. Now, this next week, we're gonna dive into the subject of uh, what do you do when God is not cooperating with you, when you're asking him to do something specifically and either he says no or he gives you another answer that you don't really like. So what do we do in those moments when God just isn't working with us? So let's all pray together and we'll wrap up today. Lord, I'm so grateful for, Lord, these truths in scripture as you read these stories of guys like John the Baptist Uh, Lord, as I look at John's story and I look at his life and see that he lived his life with passion and purpose for you, he was not afraid of of anybody. He was not afraid of any consequence. He was not afraid of, of anything as he fulfilled that purpose that you had for him of announcing to the world that Jesus, God in the flesh, had come. And yet even in with all of that, in those moments, here John ends up in prison and he struggles. His faith starts to waver. And Lord, there's some moments of encouragement, I think, for all of us to know that here, John is relative of Jesus and this guy that you used to significantly significantly change the world still had moments where he felt like you were ignoring his situation. And yet, God, you weren't. You were still working in John and around John. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that in those moments where we are struggling and we're wondering where you are, wondering what you're doing. 
that we would remind ourselves what Jesus said. God blesses those who do not turn away because of him. So Lord, I pray that we would find new strength in you. I pray that we would find new strength in your promise in Joshua 1.9 to be reminded that you are always with us and we can be strong and courageous no matter what difficult situation that we face. Lord, help us to anchor ourselves to that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, no matter what you're going through, God is with you. And uh, he doesn't ignore us. Uh, he's always there. He's always working in us, and he's always working around us. Well, if you want to go deeper into what we've been talking about today, there's always the spiritual growth challenge, and we just really encourage you to pick one up on your way out. It's at the Connection Center, and if uh, you don't pick one up there, you can always download it on our website at theepicchurch.com. And on there, you there's more passages to be able to go through during the week to really wrestle with each of the subjects that we talk about. Uh, there's questions. There's activities to really challenge us to live out our faith. And on there is really a passage of scripture for us to memorize as well. And there's something about when you memorize scripture... In those times of struggle, God will bring those things to mind and remind you of the truth that he is with us. And so we highly encourage you to pick one up and uh, memorize that scripture this week um, as it is something that uh, God will use in your life to really help you out. Well, my name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I just have a few more announcements for you. This Saturday, uh, March 15th, we are having the Epic Kids Drive-In Movie Night. Uh, It's at 5.30, and so... This is for families, so parents and kids, to come together for one event, and we are having a movie that night. We also are having a contest where you're going to be making cars out of cardboard boxes, and your kids have been getting little flyers telling you what things to bring, and then there's some materials that there will be here as well. And so come on out at 5.30, and uh, we need you to sign up online. So go to the website. And where our banners scroll, there is a banner for the drive-in. We need to know about how many people are coming this week. So if you would, please sign up today. Uh, That will help us out tremendously with knowing how many people are coming as you enjoy the movie and enjoy some of the movie snacks together as a family and having that contest as well. And then as Trent was mentioning, on April 5th, we are having our 3G Saturday. Again, we're going to have six different projects, projects from Habitat Builds to helping with our partner, Grace Community Food Pantry, and then also uh, going to a uh, living assisted uh, home as well and then some other projects. What we need you to do is go online and start to look at what uh, project you would like to be a part of. There are a limited number of spaces and so they're going to fill up fast and many of the activities are uh, for families as well and so some are family friendly, some are age specific uh, but really we have uh, anyone from first grade on up can participate uh, because we've made some that are family friendly as well. And then not only giving of our time, but you can also give of your resources as well. So if you call Epic Home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give at the giving boxes at the end of each section or online at theepicchurch.com as well. And then if you are new today, we would love for you to stop by the Connection Center and uh, meet you there. And so if you have any questions about Epic or how to get involved, uh, someone would love to answer your questions back there as well. Well, we're so glad that you're here today. You made it to the first service. You made the hour change. Way to go. You get to enjoy the rest of the day. It is a beautiful day. Say hi to someone on your way out, and thanks for being here, and we'll see you next Sunday.